Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Ann Margolini. Welcome to the podcast. It may interest you to know. Um, today, I have a very special Italian singing sensation, uh, Giada Valente, with me as a guest. And I'm, I'm really excited to get this opportunity to talk to her. So welcome, Giada. It's a pleasure to be here with you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I've been following your career. Of course, you have a beautiful voice. Um, okay. Yeah. And I wanted to, I guess, go a little further back than, than the present and talk to you about the early years, uh, you know, when you were young, when you first realized that uh, you had this particular interest in singing. I mean, were you, were you humming tunes in the crib or did, you know, did it develop <laughs> later on? In the crib, I don't know, but I've been told my, my, by my parents that I, I really was uh, uh, in love with music as a young child. Of course, I'm Italian, born and raised here in Venice, Italy, where I am today. And not far from here, there was the main church and my grandmother, she was the singer in our family. She was a, a wonderful soprano and she was taking me with her apparently to church in the choir, you know, on the uh, up in the, in the church. And of course, everybody was singing and I was probably humming. And there was my grandmother that she noticed that I could keep a tune, as they say. And uh, so she encouraged my parents to send me to music school and uh, and vocal lessons and stuff like that. And I've been a singer. I, they asked me, when did you decide to be a singer? I never made the decision. I, I think it was it's something that you have in yourself, this passion, you're, and you're lucky that, that you can keep it tune. But I really loved music as a young child and I could write music notes before I could write the words. And so it was something that, but it was, I think it was my grandmother. She, she sang for me and apparently my mom said that uh, she, cause I don't remember much of the voice of my grandmother because later when I was, let's say a teenager, I didn't like the way she was singing, of course. I, passion for music at, at, at the time changed to other things, but apparently she had a beautiful voice and she, she was the one that said, Hey, let this girl sing. And so thanks to my grandmother. <laughs> well, and since sing you have, <laughs> right. <Yeah. And> since, <laughs> since then you've, uh, you've had so many magnificent, I think opportunities. Um, I, I mean, I have to ask, what's it? I mean, you're in Carnegie Hall, right? Like, yeah. what is that like? Like to w literally walk out on a stage to perform at on at Carnegie Hall. You know, when you walked in that kind of buildings as a as a, as an audience, I guess the same. But as a performer, and when you walk inside a Carnegie Hall, they have a little book that you signed, and you they they are, they know that they are special so they go through the pages and you read the names of the beatles you read the names of people that have been there and then they take you to the stage especially the main stage the big one and they bring you center stage when you go to see the hall you know before you perform months before and they tell you here is the where the microphone is going to be there is like a little x like this and so and you think about it all your idols from Ella Fitzgerald, for Edith Piaf, for any kind of Tony Bennett, from Frank Sinatra, everybody's been there. It's kind of, for an artist, is magical. Then you look around, of course, the whole is special. And to me, my night was special because the gentleman that was handling me the microphone, uh, just was, I was about to go on stage the first time I did Carnegie Hall. He handled me the, my own microphone. And he said, you know, this was also my job. I handled a lot. The, I remember when I handled this microphone to Frank Sinatra, I was like, I know it was not the same microphone, but I was like, so this hand that was handing him, I did too. I mean, kind of special like uh, you know even in las vegas we have the we have a theater where frank's where uh, elvis presley uh, performed the westgate now but at the time was the hilton and when you go there they they kept the, they redid everything but there is a piece of of flooring where they kept it where it was the place where it was elton uh, well where, where elvis presley was walking into stage he was waiting there until they said, Elvis Presley, and, and you stand there with your home feet. I took a picture of my feet on that piece of old <laughs> piece of wood. <laughs> it was special though. I mean, I don't know if the DNA is still there, but I was like, hey, maybe there is something around still. Those are big names. So for any artist, I think there is no one single, not even famous artists. I think everybody, I, I, I mean, if you ask them, it's special to be in places like that where there is music history is being written. Sure, I mean, I love it. Um, yes, because I was thinking, 
of the all the venues that you could possibly play, uh, I mean, you're certainly headlining in Las Vegas now as well, and and uh, countless uh, artists have have gone there. But Carnegie Hall stands out. You know, it really does. Uh, I think it's in a in a league unto itself. Um, yeah. And so I thought, you know, that had to be just the pinnacle, right? Like to get to, to, to walk out on a stage in a venue like that, um, I would think for an artist, it's, it's got to be like ringing a bell, you know, hit, hitting the, you know, hitting the top of your, in your field. It's um, funny. I mean, I mean, I still have, so I think my best, uh, the best things for me, uh, the, the best is yet to come, as they say in that song. And of course, Carnegie Hall was special because of the history of the place but every time i think every artist we go on stage and something magnificent happen we always feel like we feel blessed and and, and very uh, how do you say grateful for that opportunity but i think every artist is like okay i want to have something else i mean we always look up we enjoy that moment and we breathe the moment and then we hope of something even bigger for us to happen and in my case for sure because i i thank you for all these compliments but i mean there are so many things that i still i want to accomplish and things that i want to do i never perform a madison square garden which i think is i never done really a big 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 hole like that one you know like 20 30 people i've done it in in a soccer field when i sang in 2000 for the world cup soccer game but it's not the same and uh and it's funny because I spoke with some friends of mine that did do performing those beholds and they all give me the same answer. It doesn't matter how big is the stage, how famous is the venue where you perform. When the lights goes down, it's only you and your audience. And it can be two people, 20,000 people. For you as an artist, you're giving the same energy, the same love, and you get the same love back and be two people 20,000 people it's it's like a, a giving and getting back that it's 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 there at the moment it's so special i don't even know how to explain because most of the time Carnegie Hall is spectacular while you're on stage they put the spotlight on you you see nothing of the beauty that's why i always say when they ask me the beauty is when you go and see the venue <laughs> <With the daylight. laughs> how beautiful spectacular Carnegie Hall is when you're in the dark it's just the same you know it's you your audience the moment the energy it's 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 beautiful magical thing but it's and, and you actually perform with Botticelli right yeah, I performed with Andrea yes he, he did actually the the Madison Square Garden where I saw him many times I just saw him in New York, uh, I miss it this year, but I saw last year in uh, in one of the thirty thousand uh, big places. And of course, uh, he does the meet and greet. Uh, you can go and see Andrea in the intermission. So they took us backstage with JJ. We were picked up from the audience, and we go backstage. And and then when we came out, Andrea said, "If you want, you can stay here." So we were allowed to stay on the side of the stage. Where from there, especially in Las Vegas, the, the venue is open, so you get to see what Andrea see. Of course, until they lower the light, that you see nothing, and it's it's it's, it's it's impressive. I have to say, though, that what is very special about performing in places like Carnegie Hall, they're still big, but they have like a venue and they're built for music. The sound is just something we we artists, we love good sounds. It makes it easy for us to sing and places like Carnegie Hall and like the Smith Center that we have in Las Vegas, where I perform a lot. Those spaces are made for music. So the acoustic are spectacular. It's just like they're made for music. So for, for you as, a, as an artist, you sing and you can hear so perfectly the piano, the bass, the strings, wherever you have behind you of another vocalist that I know you lose this a little bit in, you lose you lose it when you are in just big venues because they're not made for music. They were made for, for, for games and stuff like that. So there is something about it. And, and you know, some of my friends are like, when you do the, the big holes, we're not coming to see you anymore because we love you here in the small thing. It's true. It's like a cozy thing, but I mean, it would be nice just to have a dream to be performing in Madison Square Garden and to feel myself what it is to be in a no good sound big room. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're certainly on your way there. I mean, you're definitely on a trajectory to, to, to experience that. You're a little bit on fire yeah. these days. Um, but what was that like to, to, to collaborate with Pacelli? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that seems like it would be a major moment too, right? Yes. Pacelli um, and you? I mean, that's got to be 
to collaborate with somebody. It's an, yeah, it's always an honor. It's something very special because Andrea, I mean, it, it transcended what, what, what being an Italian artist of any kind of artist. I mean, when they said it was the voice of God, I think they described what, what the voice of Andrea is for the rest of the world. So it was nice. When I received the call and I was invited to sing with him, I, uh, of course, I was very nervous because we are, uh, um, even though we are both Italian, we're completely different kind of singers. He's a belter, he's a tenor. So he's one of those powerful singers and me, I'm more of a quiet kind of person. So I was like, okay, so when you perform with him, they send you, of course, he's the superstar, major superstar. So uh, Veronica, which is, she's the manager and wife of Andrea. She, she's, she's, she's a force of nature talking about amazing women. She, I was in contact with Veronica and she sent me sounds to learn with Andrea. So where three duets and a solo sounds I was supposed to do. So I was all excited. I had three months to prepare and uh, they sent me the sound. These are the duets you're going to be doing. And one of the sounds was a little bit too high in the range. So I write Veronica, his wife, I said, would it be possible for Andrea to do this line so I can do the lower one so I don't have to belt that? Oh, yeah, sure. You talk to Andrea and we are going to make it happen. It was for his foundation, it was a benefit concert. So the day of the concert comes by and I go to the sound check and uh, the orchestra is there and the sound system and and I do the the sound uh, uh, you know the sound check of my music and then I remember this very nice gentleman he said would you like to try the duets that you're going to be singing with Andrea at that point Tony I'd never met Andrea I only saw him I met him once in Rome but just a talk you never sang with him and I said yes I would love to do it as soon as Andrea gets here it was like three in the afternoon and the, this gentleman that works with Andrea all the time said Andrea doesn't do sound checks because he doesn't need to do it because we are always the same people. So I was like, what? He said, yeah, you're gonna be meeting Andrea at seven where the event start. Then at that moment, I freak out. I was like, oh my gosh, I have all these people coming here. I'm given the chance to sing with him. I, so basically you don't get to sing. And it's the same because there was another singer there and she said, you never sang with him? I said, no. He said, oh, it happens to me too. I'm touring with him now. And the first call was the same. They called her and for her, for this singer, the first gig was a Madison Square Garden and she did the same. You learn the sound, you go. I must say that Andrea is just such a perfectionist that he always sings the song the same way, you know, it comes from the classical world. So there is no improvisation. So that's what is written. That's what he sings. So as long as you sing your part, you go. And uh, I remember I, I panicked a little for a second. So I uh, I called uh, Veronica's wife and she said, no problem. We are uh, coming there around six. So you're going to have one hour to meet Andrea and discuss that little change of notes. So at six o'clock, I remember I was ready with my gowns and everything. And uh, they escorted me to the room uh, where Andrea was. And I must say that I, I knew already that it was very kind, but he's just the most funny, talkative kind of person, you know, on stage is like the maestro, it's very introverse looks like, but actually in real life, it's very friendly. And of course, when he discovered that I was Italian, he thought I was Italian American. And when, so when I said to him, Buonasera maestro, and he said, you're Italian. So, and we started to talk Italian. We, we talked for 45 minutes about life, what I was doing. And, 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 and at a certain point I was looking at the, 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 the clock was ticking and I said, Andrea, sorry to, to stop you, but I said, we have to go on stage and remember, oh yeah, you wanted to change the little thing. Let's try it. So Piero, a friend, Rassi was there, the piano player always plays with him and Piero went on the piano and we try only that part where I had asked him to do a different kind of thing and 15 minutes later I was on stage with Andrea and he went <laughs> fantastic in the way that he was, you know, Andrea, Andrea is Andrea, that, that what you see is what you get, he always sings the same as I said, he's, he's from the classical world, they really uh, sing always the same so as long as you do your part and it was fun actually we had a lot of fun together if i have a second more i tell you because if you notice andrea always have the pop singers on his uh, right side and uh, actually, i never noticed that <laughs> yeah notice next time he's always the conductor andrea and the singer whoever the singer is she's here so because I didn't want it to use the classical microphone, I wanted to have my hand mic, they decided during soundcheck to put me on his left side. But I didn't know that Andrea always had the singer on the right side. So I had to walk Andrea on, on stage. So we walked together and I positioned him in front of his microphone because Andrea is blind and he was adjusting his microphone. And then he assumed, assumed I was here. So you have all these people 
looking at you. I bring Andrea on the microphone, is, and then he look at this side. Of course, I am the other. I'm on his left side. And he look at the right, and he said, with his hands, he's looking for me. He said, "Where are you?" <laughs> yeah, I, I touch his, and I said, "Andrea, I'm here." So he said, "Why?" All in Italian, of course. And he said, "Why are you there?" I said. I don't know. That's where they told me to be. So people is looking at us. So we had a good laugh because then for the first time, Andrea took the microphone and said, well, if you're wondering why I was talking, looking for Jada on the other side is because normally the singers are on my right and now she's on my left where the conductor is. So we had a good laugh and I said to Andrea, I'm not going to be the conductor, otherwise we're going to be in problems. So it was funny, made it everything so easy and fun. And from there on was just just a joy and 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 we stayed friends in contact with him and veronica they are very nice people they they have a work schedule that are amazing because sometimes i see him in venice and i am in venice for instance and i text veronica and he said oh no that was yesterday now we are already in moscow in russia or in new york i'm like how do you guys how fast do you guys move it's remarkable remarkable he's he's a workaholic but it's a, it's a good example of um, for an artist. And uh, even though he complains a little bit and he said he's old, he needs a little bit of a break. <laughs> I don't think there is much of a free time for him. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, you know, of course, a, a world a world renowned talent. So that was um, had had to be an amazing opportunity to to collaborate. It um, wasn't, uh, I mean, I, I only hope to have more chances. It was just fun. Now, you also recently hosted the Columbus Day Parade, I want to say, huh. in New and York City. I mean, that's to do anything in New York City is oh. <laughs> right is that's is a pretty big deal. That's a, that can I'm mean, I'm from New York myself, so I can say oh. this. You know, New York can be a rough crowd, <laughs> right? I mean, yes. we we uh, uh, I think occasionally uh of course i'm in new jersey now but i come from new york originally and i think if you can uh if you can hit a home run kind of in new york you know with a crowd there you can uh you can really hit a home run anywhere um so to to be asked to host the new york city columbus day parade is a pretty big deal um mm -hmm. how'd, you, how'd you enjoy that very much actually um I was kind of nervous for the first uh, two minutes of two, two seconds before I went on because first I thought it was just to say a few words and then when I got there the morning of the parade they said no no you're hosting together with Maria Bartiromo and uh, Joe Piscopo and uh, and Ken Rosato and all these names from ABC and I was like okay and uh, what and so they 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 took a good risk. I mean, at the end, it went very well. They were very happy with me. I was the one responsible for presenting all the other performers that were on the red carpet and even to do an interview with uh, one of the singers from uh, American Idol. And they made me close the parade, which they were very happy because uh, I used some of the Italian words. So many, because uh, I know many people are watching also uh, the, because New York City and the the, the parade, uh, the Columbus the, the parade, the Columbus Day parade is very popular also in Europe. So many people were watching from Italy, and I spoke some Italian works, and I did some greetings in Italian. So I got a lot of a good response also from uh, Italians that love New York and love the parade, and uh, and so it, it was a nice it was a nice experience. I mean, a long day. Because I've done the parade as a singer, and as a singer, you have to be there early in the morning for the sound check and everything. But then you do your three minutes performance, and then you're free to go. And when you host the parade, I never realized. So I have a lot of respect for Maria and Joe Piscopo, that Maria Bertirom and Joe that did it for many years. You are basically there from 11:30 until three in the afternoon. There is no even time to go to the restroom. <laughs> for instance yeah <laughs> hey proud new york top yeah if, the, if you have to do stuff in new york that's the way to do it but i had a lot of fun i hope they're gonna ask me again i loved it and yeah well you were you know you were very good it was a it was a great i thought it was great i think you did, did a really great job oh thank you um so i guess i i'm pretty sure that you write the majority i want to say of what you sing uh, but at least I know you write some of what you, you perform. Um, 
how do you create? Because I like to get into creativity uh, a lot on the podcast. Uh, and I, everybody tells me something different, right? You know, in terms of some people like uh, uh, Matthew Dix, I say this all the time on the podcast. He's a, he's a novelist and he says, I can't, I can't outline my book ahead of time. I have to literally sit at the computer and, and I hear the characters in my head and they tell me what they want to say and uh, th that he writes in, just in the moment. Uh, the, the, you know, the same, uh, I, I spoke to uh, one of the performers from the group Air Supply, and Graham said this uh, something similar. I don't even think ahead of time about what the song's going to be about. Like, until I'm just there putting it together, I'm a spontaneous, I don't think about anything in, in advance. It just kind of comes to me in the moment. Uh, and I've had people tell me that they, they have to, uh, you know, methodically, you know, plan, they need notes, they need everything, you know, they, they have all their thoughts put together before they touch anything. Like, how do you create? Like, what's your process? It, it, it's really a, a different. I mean, I, um, I, I mean, you can write every day a, a song if you want to. Doesn't mean that every, every song you write is a good song. Uh, in my experience, and, and you know, sometimes uh, the music comes first, sometimes the words come first, it depends. But for me, in my experience, I decide I had what I want to say about it. Uh, if I am in the mood to say something, first of all, that is personal to me or something that I've heard happening to somebody else that really touched my heart. And I want to tell that story like it's my own, but it didn't succeed to me. So normally th that's always the case that is easier for me because then you use the thoughts and the experience of somebody else. If you have to write something personally, I always try to, to, uh, to be as personal as I can, but also I use creativity with cautiousness because then if you write something that is very personal for you, for instance, something very sad, and every time you sing a song, the sadness comes back to you because it's your own thing. And uh, I know many artists uh, um, go through that, that they write honestly these things that are in the moment that they are heartbroken and then the song became a hit and you have to sing it all over again and your heart is breaking to pieces every time but it's a different experience and most of the time i write with other people so normally we talk about it and uh, if for instance i want to write something personal for me we, we they say what is love for you what do you want us to write and so we discuss and we write down a bunch of words and rhymes and things that goes with the thoughts we want to go and then normally the music i have always melody in my head so the melody it's always the easiest part is more like the lyrics and and sometimes sometimes it's very sometimes very fast uh, very funny uh, one one of my first english song that i wrote was called italian signorina you can find it everywhere on my spotify or whatever the song was born just for fun i was writing in a matter of fact i was in denmark writing song for other artists and uh, yeah it was uh, i was already in one week writing song for other artists and then one night i was co-writing co with these jazz musicians and they thought i was funny they thought let's write something for you i said i don't write english song at the time i was just doing italian music i had just a deal with bmg in italian so I wrote a bunch of Italian songs and they wanted to write something for me. So they said, okay, Italian signorina, let's write something for you. What do you like? And I remember I was so silly. I said, well, I do love chocolate. I do love my husband. Uh, I'm always in the mood for love. I'm always happy. And that I'm in Italian signorina in the mood for love for the first uh, line. And, uh, and then it's the song actually that brought me to New York City because I wrote a song. And uh, was the first English song. My husband, that is like a big dreamer, he always sees everything big. He said, oh, let's send it to everybody. Such a cute little song. And we sent it to all the record company, of course. We didn't get any response, but we got one from Clive Davis in New York City. Uh, Clive Davis was the discoverer of you know, all my idols. And I, I kept the email because they said, from the team of Clive Davis, they said that I had an enchanting voice. And they invited us to New York City. I've never been at that point to the United States. And, neither to New York. And I fell in love with the vibe of New York. It's, it's a magic city. I mean, agreed. And, yeah, it was around the holidays. So there is nothing like New York City around Christmas time. And we got a meeting with them and everyone was so cold. I never felt so I mean, I was at the time living in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, which is very, very cold. But New York was so freezing cold. But anyway, they said they liked it and they, they wanted to give me a chance to to see if I could write better song with American writers. Do you want to stay in New York? I said, I love it. And 
that was Italian Signorina, a fun song that I create just is in a silly mood, took me to New York City. And that's, that's the beginning of my history uh, with the United States. So creativity is something every time is different. And, and you know, there are some uh, good writers that write songs that uh, became major hits and they are a story that they they didn't leave themselves at all. They just wrote them because they had a thought. And I think that's what a successful song is just a gift. They come to you from somewhere of a, a successful successful novel, something like your friend said that you had in your mind. And you sit down and suddenly it's like somebody else is guiding you to to do it. And but of course, as an artist, as a, as a songwriter, you always want to write a major hit. And and I think if you start with oh yes, to sound a little bit like that, and I have then we always do we pre prepare ahead and it's going to be like this and that and then when you're there at the moment creativity goes its own direction and you get something that maybe you were not even planning to have but there it is that's you know i'm very religious i don't know if we can talk about religious but i always do believe that that those things are creativity comes from somewhere else that guided us that put it in our brain it's just like it's it, it's 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 a magic thing, but I don't think it's all on us. Sure, absolutely. Then the, the the beauty to creation, you know, uh, to creating things, I I, um, I I believe as well. There's often you know a divine guidance for that. Yes, I do believe that, and I mean, of course, as I say, uh, I've wrote so many songs. Some of them, I'm the only one who likes them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole major hits, then I played it to JJ, he's my manager, he's like, oh, I don't see it. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a masterpiece. <laughs> you know, you have to love your children, right? doesn't matter how, how ugly they are, but uh, then it's the world that decides. Uh, but, but I think the divine creations, it's one in a lifetime and you you may not even know, maybe, you know, when I, I wrote this album in the Netherlands, it was one song called Libera, which means free. And uh, was the first one we wrote together with this guy. And uh, it was not my favorite song because it was just a silly, stupid song. Doo -doo, ah. It was just a radio friendly song and it became my major success there. And I would have not spent a dime for that song to say, that's a good song. It was just like, it's a cute song. And that's what the audience liked it. So. <laughs> There is an unpredictability, right, to, to that sort of thing. Um, and if we knew. <laughs> yeah, if we knew, right, we'd all be buying lottery, lottery tickets, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but I do think that, that trying to gauge the taste of the public uh, is a very difficult thing. And you just never know what's you know, when you're going to hit light, fine lightning in a bottle. I think it just presents itself unexpectedly most often. And you know what it is? I have I, I create all my show. So uh, every time I put a show together, I decide a title and I put a bunch of songs together. And every time there are too many songs. And some people, some people ask me, how do you decide which song you want to sing? Uh, you know, sometimes I listen to other people. They say, oh, you have to sing that song because that song, everybody loves that song. So and if I don't love the song, of course, I sing it pr pretty. It's going to sound nice. And... I noticed that the song that I really are connect, I feel connected with became also the favorite of my audience. So I think it's the same. If you try to do a song that, uh, because it's the fashion of the moment to have that kind of groove and that kind of thing, but you don't feel it. If you're lucky enough that you can, you can it's like a, a dress when you, uh, we are girls. So when you wear something that you feel comfortable, I think people see you also, oh, so look, have you seen how pretty she is? And sometimes you wear something because it's fashion and you 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 are like, oh, I don't feel comfortable. And I think you people don't like it either because it's not made for you. And it's the same with music. So I always try to to listen a little bit to, to what the fashion is of the moment, but then I try to sing what I like. And, 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 and I love ballads. I love romantic, slow songs. So sometimes my team, they say, you have to uh, uh, move it up a little. And I do, I listen to them, but you know, that's me. I love to talk about 
my family, my grandparents, the family, and sometimes people in the business, they say, stop talking about that, be more sexy and talk about uh, sexual things. And I try to, Tony, I try, but he, you know, it becomes like, I mean, it's no me. I mean, I, I, I love women and I don't want to be a threat to women. I want to be friendly with them. So I want to be seen like their best friend there, you know, and, and that's really me. I really, I'm really, I'm a supporter of other women. So I don't want to be the, the sex symbol on stage. I mean, for fun, I want to do it. But so I always have that discussion with people in the business because they say you will be more successful if you were more like, if you were more sexy in your whole thing. And I'm like, and think about different things. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would, Tony. I don't know, but I, it's so different than my personality. Well, I think your talent shines through, um, right? And I think that there's uh, there's different tastes. You can't have everybody being the same way, right? Certainly, there's a market for different types of talent or different types of individuals. Okay. Um, and you would be depriving the world, I think, of a great talent for you to be anybody else other than who you are. Um, I, you know, I think uh, just a, just a small time I've spent with you, you know, you have a marvelous personality uh, and I, I wouldn't want it to be any other way. No. So, but you know, and I, think, I think there is a market for people who, who want something different, right? Not everybody wants that same, uh, that same kind of cookie cutter uh, type behavior. Some people just enjoy the music and want the performer to to make them feel something cathartic. I, I yeah, that's that's my only hope. Every time, I mean, I, I do love love artists, not because I mean because I love them. I mean, I, I'm a huge Celine Dion fan, and I always loved her because she's an amazing talent. But for me, because she is like she could be. I I do believe that if I get to meet her, she will be my best friends. That's how I feel about her. And uh, sometimes when they give me that compliments, that I remind them of Celine Dion is a huge compliment for me. Not because we sing alike, because we are completely different as singer, but as a personality. She talks a lot. I talks a lot. She's very friendly. She always talks about the family and much. And that 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 th those are things that. I love, I love about her and that people said that they love by me. And for me, for me, that's a huge compliment. And she loves, she sings about love songs and I, I love to sing love songs and that's me. Okay. What, what else can I be? <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have a new Christmas single out yes. that you wrote. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, it's called Winter Star, actually, and uh, it's written by uh, Johnny Reed. I didn't write that one. It's written by a Canadian country superstar. He's, he's a major uh, um, superstar in Canada. And I always, when I was, uh, I, I found, I stumbled into the song a couple of years back. I was putting together my show. It's called Love Under the Christmas Tree. There we go. Love again, also for Christmas. And I was looking for, you know, we all, we sing all the same sounds, a silent night and uh, whatever, all the famous one, all I want for Christmas is you. And then I stumbled about this song and I, the simplicity, you know, this winter star, which is the symbol, not only of the winter star, but all the things that uh, wherever we are in the world, we can always find our way back home because we have some people or some things that always make us go find a way to go back home. That's what winter star was, is. You are the, the, the light of love and peace. And I loved it. It's a very simple song. And then during COVID, I, of course, there was nothing to do for anybody. And was in the middle of the summer in Las Vegas. And uh, JJ knows how much I love Christmas. He said, what about we do something for Christmas? So we decided to, I called uh, Greg Field, which is a famous producer and friend of mine in California. I said, Greg, let's make a Christmas album. I said, okay. All the best musicians in the world, they were all home and there. So we called all the biggest musicians in Los Angeles, Nathan East and Tarika Cooney, the play with Joss Groban and Anthony Winson, the play with, uh, with um, Diana Kroll. They were all at home doing nothing. And they said, yes, we want to do it. So we went to Capitol Records in Los Angeles. It was uh, the first day they were opening. We had to, to go with COVID test, mask home, no more than five people in the, in the recording thing. It was just a whole thing. And Shelly Bear came from Florida. I couldn't wait to be in the record. And we recorded 13 songs that we're going to release hopefully next year. So in the middle of June, middle of COVID, we recorded that one. And then at the end of that, we wanted to have some strings. And again, 
Greg Field, he said, well, I'm in contact with Abbey Rhodes and they have the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Hollywood is closed. There is no movie. They're all there, the violin player, even the conductor, Robert Ziegler, is out of work. Let's call them. So I got a deal for an independent artist that I couldn't say no. And remotely, we recorded the strings with the Royal Philharmonic and Winter Star. It's uh, the second song, actually, from that recording, because last year I recorded Silent Night. What was it's part of the of the of the album that we hope to finish for next year, and uh, so there it was. And uh, I got suddenly I got this dream. <laughs> I always dream to have something like that, but you know I could have never ever thought that it could happen during COVID. But actually, it was a blessing for me because everybody was available. Because now it would be impossible, and the prices for everything was so small comparing them you know normally these are projects for major artists with big and big record label i have a small label in the netherlands so and and i was able to to do it and i still i can't believe it and sounds fantastic because i don't know if you tony you ever heard the, the royal philharmonic play but for me it was like I woke up at six o'clock in the morning because they were in england so we needed to wake up early and i was there listening the way they i mean the orchestra it's they are magnificent. They are. I'm, I, I'm a great admirer of, uh, of 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 talent, and I mean, I I play with many strings uh, orchestras, but those are perfections. And of course, Robert Ziegler, come on, is the is the conductor from all the Star Wars movie. And to hear him say, "You're Italian, so you will understand." To say "Buongiorno Giada" in Italian, he said, "I was like, hey, I made Robert Ziegler speak Italian." <laughs> So it's, it, it was like a dream that came true, but without even, without even realizing it was happening because it went so fast and it was COVID, it was confusing, it was like, and there I have it, but Winterstar, I, I mean, I hope people is going to like it. It's, it's uh, somebody wrote a beautiful comment on my YouTube channel when I posted the video clip a few days ago that they loved the song and the meaning of the song and they hope it became a Christmas classic. That would be nice, you know. It's beautiful song. You know, I did I did oh, listen to the song too. It is really beautiful. So, and I'll uh, actually we'll we'll put a link to to the on the, oh, on the video uh, to the songs. Everybody should check it out. Oh, uh, looking forward to the album. Yeah, uh, me, no, too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. We're dead. You're getting to hear the album. You already know what's on the album. I'm looking forward as a list, listener to be able to you know hear it. Um, I want to take you to. Christmas, since we're on the topic, uh, and ask you, well, a couple of things, right? You have your favorite, uh, you do a lot of cooking. Yes, so, I do. And tiramisu seems to be one of your favorite desserts to make. <laughs> uh, so can we talk a little bit about that? Like how, how, how cooking became so prevalent in a lot of the videos that you do? And can we talk about your tiramisu? With, with great pleasure, <laughs> they say. Well, I, I, the cooking... And the tiramisu, I mean, I've always uh, cooked uh, because, I mean, I'm Italian, so I grow up in the kitchen with grandma and, and, and mother, my mother cooking very simple Italian food. Everybody in Italy can cook something. But I never thought that there would have been something that I could share with other people because I'm not a chef by any means. But uh, when I was doing the tour with my PBS special from Venezuela, Love, so many, uh, five, six years ago, at a certain point, I was doing all this morning show, you know, when you go and you promote uh, an upcoming concert or whatever. And uh, many of those uh, studios, morning show around the, the United States, they didn't have a corner for singers anymore. So they were saying to JJ, we would love to have Jada sing again this year, but we don't have a music uh, a corner in the morning show anymore here on ABC, NBC, wherever we were in Cincinnati, wherever. And, JJ, and so they said, can Jada cook? And JJ, of course, it's... So yeah, of course she can. So it came to me. She said, "You're gonna have five minutes on their morning show. They, you can sing. You have to cook, and they don't have a stove." I'm like, "What? So how can I cook if I cannot cook?" And then suddenly I was thinking. I said, "Well, my favorite dessert is tiramisu. It originated not far from where I was born and raised. It's very simple to make." It's super delicious. Everybody loves it. And so I went, I think Cincinnati, was Cincinnati the first one we did it? I think it was Cincinnati. We went there and I made it and it was, oh, Cleveland. JJ said, thank you, JJ. So it was Cleveland and I made it 
they love it so much so that I, at a certain point I started to tour around the United States and everybody was waiting for Jada to make tiramisu. And then when I done the run of tiramisu, people were saying, we want to have her back. Can she make something else? I said, sure. So I made Bachididama around the holiday I made with the Pandoro, a Christmas tree. They can find those video on YouTube. They're, they're all there. And then during COVID, I did this hundred days of Jada live every day. Basically, it was just like I was keeping company to my friends and and fans around the world. Every day with JJ at two p.m. in the afternoon, we were going live with "Here Comes the Sun." It was the opening, and I was doing three times a week interview with all my famous friends. So I had all the famous people I could think about, and they were all at home, so they were all there. I did all this interview, and Saturday. I said, you know, I bring the cameras in the kitchen and I'm going to cook. And it became something that uh, people loved it because honestly, I don't know. Can you cook, Tony? Um, <laughs> I do cook uh, very basic stuff. Okay. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody's knocking down the door to, to be sitting at my table. Uh, that's what you mean. <laughs> but I noticed that many people they they uh, were going to restaurants to eat all these italian delicious things but they they never really tried to make them at home so i started to to say okay next saturday we're going to make a risotto with piselli so rice with peas which is typical of venice and they're very simple basic things and i was saying to everybody please if you make it send me a picture and people were making the, the things i was making they were sending pictures there were many uh, young fathers and mothers with children they were in the kitchen making together they were sending pictures they were doing a better job of me so i started to say hey guys if i can do it you can do it even better because i'm seeing how do i know about cooking so he became a thing that everybody was like uh, you know, sometimes people are afraid to cook because when you see those people, I said, I'm a chef. So, of course, he's a chef. Of course, he can cook me. I'm a singer. How can I cook? But I was a singer. So I am a singer. So I was saying, guys, if I can make it, you can do it too. And people felt encouraged and they started to to cook the things, even the children. And, uh, and and then somebody will say, hey, what about some booze? I don't drink nothing at all. So I said, oh, we're going to make cocktails. <laughs> I don't even know what cocktails are, not being a drinker. So it was fun because I was finding recipe. I don't know if they are recipe, whatever, cocktails names. And I would make them life at the end of the cooking. And then JJ was the one sacrificing to drink it. And they were good, I must say. So we had a good run of 100 days of every day. And every Saturday became the highlight of people that they were saying, let's see what Jada is cooking. And then the whole week they were cooking the things. And very simple things they... I mean, I've learned here from my grandmother, from my mother, of I have one of my hand, she's a great chef, but simple stuff, probably stuff that you also know how to do. But many people have no idea how to make simple pasta alla carbonara. And of course, I, I'm a, um, a huge uh, history uh, person. I like to learn. And so I was, of course, I was really working hard with JJ. I, I was doing a lot of research about uh, of ingredients of if there was something about specific things about the, the dish I was cooking and people uh, really felt in, engaged to learn. I mean, everybody, you know, they say learn one thing every day and people love the fact that all the things were related to Italy and uh, they were learning to cook and learn something about the, the dish that I was making, the traditions. And uh, so it became something yeah, I mean, and, and so much so that at a certain point after COVID, I even got an offer to uh, to uh, be the presenter for a cooking show that we're talking about. So who knows? You're going to be seeing me cooking more. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Do you have a favorite Christmas tradition or just Christmas story that you could share with us? Christmas traditions is funny because everybody in the United States thinks about the seven fishes. We don't have seven fishes. I'm from the north of Italy. So that, I guess, is a south of Italy because, I mean, I, I ask also my mom and the older generation, nobody has ever heard. We have uh, some traditions, of course, the, the night before Christmas, we have a big dinner with uh, the small part of the family. We wait until midnight and then we go to church. And uh, we normally uh, eat fish the night before, which is true. And then only on Christmas Day, we have some meat and pasta and stuff like that. Not much. No, I, I, I would say the only thing is, you know, that in Italy they say uh, uh, 
Natale con i tuoi and Pasqua con chi vuoi, which means Christmas with your family and then Easter with wherever you want. The only traditions that I think I'm very uh, happy that I'm able to do it this year since I'm in Italy with my parents is to spend Christmas with the family. And uh, when I'm in the, in the United States, if I cannot see my family, I have some dear, dear, dear friends uh, in Las Vegas or before in New York City. And I try to spend the Christmas with them if they're also alone, because, you know, especially in New York City, you know, we are all from, from different parts of the world. So most of my friends were also either Italian or from other parts of the world with no family. So we were gathering together. And of course, we have something that didn't uh, took a, uh, much uh, didn't became famous in in uh, in the United States, but it's we it's the panettone or pandoro. Have you ever had it? They're typical. Uh, that's a typical things that we have in Italy for uh, Christmas, and uh, it's is a cake. One the favorite of JJ as um, kind of uh, what is inside it? The fried fruit and raisins. Fried fruit and raisins. And the other one that is my favorite is uh, Pandora, which is golden bread. It's sweet uh, cake made with butter. And it's big and, and it's typical for, from Italy. And you see it sometimes in the supermarket, even in the United States. And I, I notice that people buy them without knowing that that's really is the Christmas traditions in all Italy, in the whole booth of Italy, Pandoro and Panettone. He originate, they originated, uh, especially Pandoro in the north and the Panettone also in Naples in the south. And in America, people, they, they buy them. I see my friends, they buy them without knowing what it is. And that's a typical cake for uh, the holidays here in Italy. And I'm always uh, say to JJ, I have to go one time on television somewhere and tell the story. Cause that's really, cause Italian Americans are always looking for traditions. And that's something that they didn't brought with them when they moved to the United States. For the rest, uh, it's funny because I find more traditions in the Italian American families in America than we are in Italy, because uh, in Italy, you know, modern people, they, try to be fast, they try to be, so they forget about tradition. So I had some friends of mine in Long Island and uh, the Itzo family. And for many years I spent the holidays with them when I was not with my family and they are Neapolitans and they had the seven fishes and then they have uh, the presents at midnight. So I really, I, I, I'm grateful to my job as a singer, because even though I was trained in the United States, especially in the beginning with uh, not without my family, I was embraced by other Italians that really made me part of their family. And I'm very grateful to that. They became actually a standard family for me and JJ. And I've learned actually, funny enough, the seven fishes traditions from them, because I had <laughs> what they were. So when one time my parents came to visit in New York, I said, Ma, we need to have the seven fishes for Christmas. My mom said, what's that? So we couldn't think, Tony, of seven fishes to cook. So one of them was a cane of tuna. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable, right? That's what we said. So we had seven fishes. But yeah, so that's sad. But I mean, Christmas is special. I mean, this year is extra special I'm here with my parents, but it's funny because when you are like me, somebody that has a house here and there, you're never happy. I'm happy to be here with my parents, but I miss my friends and my life in the United States. So you're always torn between two reality and they are completely different reality because when I'm here with my parents, I'm their daughter and I have to do what mama say. And when I'm in the United States, I am Jala Valenti, the singer, and I can do whatever I want, when I want them. So it's two different reality. And so it's, uh, it's nice. I mean, <laughs> I'm, do you I'm, think now I'm curious to this, do you think in Italian or in English? <laughs> Actually, my second language after Italian is Dutch. Oh, okay. So, so you think in Dutch or yeah, no, no. I, I, you know, they ask me all the time. I don't know what I think. I think, I think in, it depends. If I talk in English, my thoughts are in English, believe it or not, until I stumble, I think to a word that I don't know. And then I switch into Italian with my thoughts, because of course I've learned English from a book and then I've learned by only by talking to people. But of course it's not like 
my Italian. My Italian is spotless and English is just like, I, I know maybe 200 words and I use all the same. So I navigate with the knowledge of words. I know and I make my sentence. And I notice that because sometimes when they say, be short with your answer. And I notice I can be very short in Italian because I know all the words of the dictionary. And in English, I have to navigate with what I know, the constructions I know. So it takes me like the double of time that you will take to say something for me is like, and sometimes people say, be fast. I, say, I, I, I mean, I don't know how <laughs> to say that. I need to use, I would like to tell you, but I'm you would say, I'm like, okay. So I'm, yeah. And, and when we are in the Netherlands, of course, I, I speak Dutch. So, and, but I still, speak English. So I'm sometimes confused. I speak in Dutch to people that only speak English or Italian to my parents or in English to my parents. And they look at me like, what's that? Oh, sorry. Scusa, sbagliato. So I don't know. It's uh, and when I travel a lot, I get uh, lately, I spend a lot of time in the Netherlands. So I use a lot of Dutch and JJ noticed that when I speak English, I put some Dutch words in between. I'm like, oh, did I? He said, yes, you said the Dutch word. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Well, this has been a great hour. I love the opportunity to get to know you a little bit. I hope you'll come back, especially when your Christmas album gets released. Uh, I'd love to be able to sit and talk to you more about it when it gets, you know. I would love to. I would love to. And uh, I mean, you are in New Jersey. I'm in New York in a couple of weeks. So if you're in New York, come down to New York City, your place, right? You're from New York. Absolutely. <laughs> So, so yes so i mean we'll put a link to your website where your schedule is i encourage anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to see you um, or see you live to check it out and see uh, if it coordinates with your availability um because uh, it's definitely worth the show and and if if nothing else uh there's a lot of stuff uh, that you have out there uh, of yourself on youtube and there are links on your site that allow people to you know, check out various performances. Uh, and of course your music is, is, uh, readily on any, wherever you buy your music, you're going to be able to download her music as well. So I encourage people to check it out. Yes. Thank you so much, Tony, for having me. I mean, looking forward to be your guest again. And if you are in Vegas, let me know. Yeah. Oh, it's in matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much uh it's been a pleasure to have thank this opportunity so to talk to you uh merry christmas merry christmas to you you know how to say that in italian uh i do Natale. know how to say it but i won't even try because when i say an accent when i do anything it comes out with my like a new york accent and it just sounds so here it is. Like buon natale buon natale it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> and happy new year let's hope that 2023 is going to be a fantastic year for all of us oh i hope the same so thank you for joining us and uh, it was a pleasure to meet you and i look forward to interviewing you again looking forward to that okay thank you. Say bye bye from the podcast